This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. As always, could not do it without you. And our friends over at EmpiricalDesign.net. If you ever need any design work done, logo work, or hey, just want to get consulted on some art, go to EmpiricalDesigns.net. Our friend Nick over there will help you tell him Butcher's Breakaway sent you. Pretty great show today. Uh, everything you wanted to know about this Ranger season in this episode. Me and Greg break down the, the lines. Then we have our good dear friend Rick Carpinello on. Then we come back, do some David Wright talk. Greg cries once or twice. And that's about it. Let's get this show on the road, shall we? Hey, Blueshirt Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blueshirt Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I am here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. You don't have the drugs today, buddy? What's going on? I am now, a, a Ranger season is here. I'm at complete peace. I have nothing to be upset about. Things are great in my life, except for the things that are great. But that's for everyone, right? Is there a league who builds less hype for opening night in the North American sports fandom? Than the NHL tennis. I talked about. I thought you and I talked about this earlier today. We did. We I, we're big hockey guys. Clearly, I would right? say we host a show about a hockey team every week, and we're passionate enough about hockey that we have never missed an episode. I just feel like there's no buzz for opening night. I asked you today, and this makes me a bad hockey fan and reveals my colors. Are there games Wednesday? There are games Wednesday. <laughs> Turns out, with a quick Google search, there is. But you know in other sports when opening day is happening. I mean, MLB, you know opening day is like a, is like a fucking festival. Uh, obviously, NFL is, is also a festival weekend. And the NBA, not as much because the NBA, the, really, the, the lead-up is, is Christmas. But, I mean, the NBA subreddit is freaking out over, like, preseason games and LeBron James shooting a two yesterday. But hockey season seems they, – they have no buzz. I've, saw, I've seen no promos. I've seen nothing. But I, – I, I honestly – and I – I don't think it's because I avoid channels that are leading up to opening night. I'm watching NBCSN every weekend for soccer, and I just don't get any. There are a couple of promos, but it just it doesn't even feel like a build up towards hockey. It's just like, oh yeah, that's coming up. It's sometime. like, oh, hockey's back, guys. The only reason I know hockey is like really back, other than following the Rangers, is the Rangers have gone out of their way to make sure they're personally hand holding every single Ranger fan to be like, it's going to be okay. We might be bad, but hey, we might not. 
Because they're not, not only they're doing a town hall, but they've done like press conferences. They're doing like all these special events for season ticket holders and people that want to show up that they've never done before, which makes you think like they know what's happening. And I appreciate they're doing it, by the way. I, I've noticed that they put a lot more work into their media recently and kind of reaching out to the fans. I think it's been a great job by them. Yeah, we, we probably shouldn't be so negative at the start of this podcast. We got a lot of talk about. We got a lot of talk. About. There's been a lot of negativity around or Rangers Town. I just don't like it. I don't like you it know, one bit. And for me, it's not even negativity. I just, I've just been sad for like the last week. Well, yeah, you have a lot of reasons to be sad. One being David Wright, and another being another five. But uh, it's, it's. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. It that is, that sad. is so accurate. It is so sad. But uh, that being said, let's start. Let's start with the Leah Anderson deal, right? That's yeah. Uh, let's that's, get right into the big stinking. Let's get to the big stinking pile of poop in the middle of the uh, of the table. Sure. I. Don't care at all that Leah's got sent down. I know people on the internet were raging and like, is Leah's a bust? We, we, we drafted a bust again. Guys, like, if you watch the Gorton presser, and Gorton's pretty straightforward in that presser, by the way. Uh, and he seems like he's pretty down to earth and he's just giving it straight. They like Leah's to get more time in the AHL. I don't think that's unreasonable. He's, you know, they, Gorton says he's a 19-year-old that he, he'd only be able to get like six or seven minutes ice time at the NHL level. Why not play him every single night at the AHL level? He says he's almost ready to be an NHL player and a contributor. They could definitely find a spot for him now, but that's not the case. And to, to make the counterpoint there, Gordon comes out and says, yeah, but Howden, we saw s- certain things that he did for this team, because obviously Howden being the rookie that made it over Elias, that certain things he did for this team that we thought we could play him on the PK and we get him out there and his, his development won't be as stunted. It was a hard decision. Elias is going to be a great player for years to come but we're going to give him some more time at the AHL level. If anyone's freaking out about this, I don't understand why. I just don't get it. He's not a bust. He's 19. He's played well. He had a couple down games after the first game in the preseason. But guys, he, you know, it doesn't matter where he was drafted anymore. It's the prospect he is now. And he's still a highly rated prospect who might not ever be a top six guy, but we don't know. But he's definitely going to be a quality NHL player going forward. Yeah, so there are two ways to really look at the whole Leah situation in my head, right? There's the let's let's break down what Gordon means by there's not just there's just not a lot of ice time for him. And that's accurate, because here's here's why, right? Only way you can get Leah Sanderson guaranteed top nine minutes in the NHL on a nightly basis is you're moving one of Heedle or Hayes off of the center position. It doesn't make any sense to move Heedle off the center position because we're trying to figure out what the fuck he can do. If you're gonna move Heedle to the wing. Moving to the wing in the middle of the season when you've already seen a little bit of him at center, you have something you can evaluate him off of and then make a decision there. And there's no reason to move Hayes off of center. He's established. He's been here. He's just, We know what he is. We know what he can do. And you're also trying to create a trade market for him. And you're going to get more for Kevin Hayes as center than you are as Kevin Hayes a winger. So it doesn't make sense for either of them to move off of the center position. And then the argument is, well, okay then is Leas just not good enough to play in the NHL? No, that's not the case. The Rangers want to make sure Leas is playing north of 15 minutes a night. There's no way that Leas Anderson, even if the Rangers were to roll four lines, would be guaranteed that much ice time in New York. It's just not going to happen. So where can you send Leas to get that much ice time in a controlled environment? Hartford. This isn't that hard. Huh. And it's not like Leas is going to be playing with Stiffs and Hartford. The line Leas would be playing with if he made the NHL roster is not that much different than the line he's going to be playing with in Hartford. He's going to be with maybe Cole Schneider and uh, Ville Meskinen. That It's a step down for sure from the Mesnikov and Lettieri, but it, let, let's be honest, it's not that steep of a drop. 
he's basically playing with NHL players in Hartford, and he's going to get 18 minutes a night doing it. Maybe more. Maybe more. They're gonna they're yeah. gonna play him and see what they got in that kid. Like they want this is an investment for the Rangers. They traded up to get him. I, I still don't think they wanted him as, as the primary target, despite being told by multiple sources that he was the guy. But uh, they're gonna they're gonna do everything possible to make sure he succeeds, and that would be playing maybe upwards of twenty minutes in the AHL, and that's not a problem for anybody. Anyone who's out there freaking out like this kid's a bust is not. This year is meant to experiment. We're meant to try things. We're going to be trying, like, all different types of combinations throughout the year. Like like you just said, Greg, we can move Heedle to wing. It wouldn't be a bad idea. But we want to see what we have first. Why not? Howden's up because he played well. Leitieri made the team in the last two weeks because of the way he played. So let's try and see what we have going forward. And I, I don't see an issue otherwise. It's, it, and going back to the, the bus talk, because it's just, it's just unnecessary. He's fucking 19. What, what are we talking about here? Yeah. I, Who, he's a teenager. I who, can't, who cares if it I takes can't someone an extra year or two to get NHL ready? He's a fucking teenager. I think we're just so used to these kids that come up and fucking kick ass now that we're, we're kind of calling people that just automatically aren't amazing busts when that's just not the case for, what, 98% of players? You have to be a very special player to come up and just am- sorry, be amazing right away. That, and Heedle is kind of like that. Yeah, I almost, wonder that, if, I, I almost wonder if Philip Hito wasn't taken in the same draft class as Elias Anderson, if this conversation would even be happening. I, but it's not Elias' fault that Hito is just developing on a different curve. That's, that has nothing to do with Elias. No. Nothing at all. No, and I know that they're paired together and they're like good bros and you've seen pictures of them together and separating them is crime and you're killing brohood again yet New York Rangers. Is there anything better than New York Rangers are good at or better at than killing brohood and ruining it? They're just like, oh, you guys are good friends? Let's separate you. It's not personal, Ryan. It's just business. It's just business. That's all it is. We're trying to win it's, a cup. It's a 19-year-old center who is going to be over here in North America for the first time, and we're ready to declare him a bust because he didn't make the team out of camp. You're just fucking insane. The Rangers are going to have openings at some point this season uh, Yeah. in their top nine because someone is getting – at least Zuccarello is getting traded, right? I think that's a pretty safe assumption. And then you can make arguments that Spooner is going to get traded. Something might happen with VC, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him in a minute. Um, Hayes is on the block. There are plenty of guys in that top nine that are on the block, which means there's going to be room for Elias Anderson before the trade or after the trade deadline immediately. There is nothing wrong with letting him play hockey in Hartford and see what he can do. And honestly, he's not even – as much as I love Elias Anderson, he's not even the best player that got demoted to, to the AHL this week. Ily Tolvanen in Nashville didn't make the Predators out of camp. Yeah, that's, he a fucking bust? No, he's definitely not. He's not a bust. It's just insane, Ryan. Yeah, I just, I'm ready. I, if, if you're out there and you're angry that Elias isn't up, he'll be up. Like, what are you worried about? He didn't make the starting roster? Dude, he'll be up in a couple weeks. Someone will either get hurt. Or they'll uh, Howden maybe guys you don't know Howden might come out of the box pretty slow and they're like well you know what let's just bring Leas up screw it and there's a there's a Howden argument to be had here because when not even an argument a conversation I should say when Gordon made his comments saying that Leas needed top nine minutes he wasn't going to get that there that wasn't him also saying that Brett Howden isn't a top nine forward going forward it's that. The Rangers decided it, it's more beneficial for Brett Howden to get limited ice time in New York than it is for Brett Howden to be playing second-line minutes in Hartford. And I, I actually completely understand that mindset. 
it's hard to develop two centers at the same time in the AHL. It's because where the whole thing in hockey is the, well, not hockey, the whole thing in the NHL is you, the Rangers are saying that they're not going to evenly share time for all their players, which is fine. That that's usually how teams operate. You want to play your top line the most minutes, so on and so forth, work your way down. That's fine. But it's even harder to say you want to give Leah Anderson top line minutes, but also develop Brett Howden and Hartford. If Howden's not going to get the same minutes, and then you're also taking minutes away from other guys that need time in Hartford and it has a rolling effect. So it's difficult to develop two top nine centers in the AHL at one time. So one would make sense to develop a little bit in New York. And who did the Rangers feel like their development long-term is going to be less impacted by getting 10 minutes a night? Clearly Brett Howden. And that's fine. I, I, I don't think we're nuts to say Howden has a slightly lower ceiling than Leah Anderson. I don't think that's insulting to Brett Howden. I think that's just not every prospect is built equally. But I, I think I don't they think, can end up being very similar saying, players, but we don't know that. You know, they both could exceed or 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 under, underperform. But right now, like you said, playing him on the second line, like why not just play him up here? Get him some time, some time at the, get him a cup of tea. Leas has had his cup of tea. He's done it. Get like Boonie Avis might come back, and Howden gets sent sent down right away. Like so. I, don't, I don't, I don't think that's. I think I think Howden is here for the long haul. You think so? You think he's in for the for the whole year? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it makes much of sense. Um, to bring Howden up for, I mean, it, uh, I don't, I don't know his ELC complications. Where if he gets the seven games and then you send him down, it could slide again. Yada yada. I am not hockey stat miner. I don't memorize that stuff. Uh, that's why he is out there to keep me smart and sound like I'm informed. But um, well, you're not. No, I one. I, I it's not a short term injury for Boo. Anytime we're talking of head injuries, I, I don't think you can say no. You can't. Short term. Um, you can't even two, give a timeline for that, really. I, 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 I like Boo as a player, but he's not future of the just, Rangers at all. Not just that. I, I just don't. I, I think he's just squeezed at this point. I, I think his opportunity to make a fourth line impact on this Ranger team and kind of carve a little niche for him, uh, it, it, it's been taken by other players, specifically the Terry. If we're being quite honest, I just think. The Rangers had one forward spot. They were always going to have one forward spot that they were going to be willing to give the kids. And I think, um, well, not just the kids, but not like our prime prospects that we're talking about. Kind of the, is this guy going to be an NHL caliber player? And I, I really think Boo is behind Letary. He's behind Meskinen. He's, 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 he's a little buried. And I, I don't think it's his fault. I think Elaine Vigneault did him a disservice by not giving him more time at the fourth line center position. <laughs> I wish I had an alarm, like a button I could press, like a soundboard every time we mention a lame and yo. Like, <laughs> like, okay, it's been 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't, I wonder how many things I could blame Elaine Vino for this year still. All while not spending a lot of time talking about him, just like subtle. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be different if Elaine wasn't such a fuck up. Um, I wish the town, yeah, I think, I wish I the town think- hall had subtitles. I know that's asking a lot, but I'm, we're, we're recording this during the town hall, and I wish I could like comment on it as we go here. But I will I mean, say, not, not say anything during the town D- hall. David Quinn is a good-looking man. He's good. This is a good-looking hockey team. Brett Howden making the team. Woo! That just oh, the Brett the Brett Howden and Ranger picture today. Oh, my mm. life. All right. Yeah, I, I'm cool with both those uh, individuals. Well, oh, hold on a second. Can we do a five-star question real quick? Sure. Oh, I, I, I'm going to uh, type on the keyboards here and pop this open, but I'm pretty sure I, I know what it was. Our, our number two fan or our number uh, number fan one was taken asked, 
Uh, I love the podcast. I'm summarizing for him. But lay off my boy Gritty. Last week, you yelled at me. You said, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I'm, I'm still pro Gritty. I like Gritty. I still like Gritty. And I think it was not only the best mascot release of all time, but it's such a social media genius move. And now they keep bringing out this new stuff every day, and I'm eating it up. Um, give me all your gritty stock if you're selling it, because I want it. Ryan? Yes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that was our five-star question. I love gritty. Uh, send me all your gritty shit. Cool. Cool. All right, back to the Rangers. Back to the Rangers. So, right, Leah Anderson, things that we can definitively say. At 19 years old, it's impossible to determine if he's a bust. And at 19 years old, it's not the end of the world that he's getting more time at Hartford. We both agree when we said it was, I, I said on Twitter, it was surprising that Brett Howden made the team over Leah Anderson, and it was, and none of that was supposed to be an indictment of Leah Anderson's training camp. It was just surprising that he didn't make the team. It's that, it, it's that. I wasn't disappointed by it. I wasn't angry about it. I understand the mindset. I understand what the Rangers are doing. I have no qualms with any of those decisions made by the Rangers. In fact, I think that that roster announcement I don't know about you, Ryan. I really had zero problems with anyone included on that roster. And that even includes Cody McLeod as long as he sits in the press box. It's funny because it's I started the podcast very slowly and saying I'm happy. And I legitimately am. I am thrilled for this year of Rangers hockey. I remember last year, Greg, uh, I forget if it was the playoffs before or the beginning of the season. I, I, I think it was the first week of the season last year. And I came on the podcast and I was like, Greg, you pumped for this season? And you were like, not really. <laughs> and I got angry at you, like outside of the podcast. I remember like being angry and be like, dude, we host a pot. You have to be excited. Like this is part of it. I was, I was pumped, but you're like, ah, not really. And then the more the season went on, I, I kind of agreed with you not to mislead everyone saying I wasn't excited. I was, but the team didn't have that spark that oomph, uh, about it. Uh, to make a, to make reference, I read an article today about the Minnesota wild and the way they described the Minnesota wild was, the Minnesota Wild are a hockey team. I have no positive or negative feelings about them. That's that's how I felt about the Rangers last year. I was like, this is a hockey team. We got Shattenkirk. That's really exciting. I'm not sure what to expect. Can't wait to see Ryan McDonough and Shattenkirk play together, have a knockdown defensive pair. That never really happened. And watching the team wasn't exciting halfway through the year. This team from the start is going to be fun as hell. Like we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about the Lions here in a second. And, and the power play has me salivating. I can't even, like, think straight looking at it. So th- watching the development of some of these players this year and and watching Bushnevich get unleashed is going to warm my heart in a way that has not been warmed in over a year of watching Rangers hockey. So I ask you this question, Greg. Are you mm. excited for Rangers hockey this year? All right. Exciting. Excited is a funny word. I agree with you 100% that this Rangers season is going to be fun as hell. Uh and the thing that makes it fun as hell for me is you can clearly see that there's a plan and you can see how the Rangers are planning to execute that strategy. And I think when you can, when you're following a team as closely as we are following the Rangers and spending as much time every week talking about the Rangers as we do, it's refreshing when you're going from listless ship in the night without a captain to look, we're stuck on the rough seas but here's how we're going to get out of it. And at some point in time, the seas are going to smooth out and it's going to be an enjoyable ride. And that is, that's going to be fun. It like, like we've been talking about, they're young as fuck. 
anytime you're watching a young team, regardless of sport, it's fun because kids are going to flash brilliance and it's going to get you excited and thinking about what the future can hold. And even the mistakes they made, it's like, all right, well, let's see how they learn from it. You're not, you're not as angry about a loss as you would be if your team was trying to push for a playoff spot or if they were a roster constructed of veterans. You, you don't have the patience for mistakes because those type of players, it's not that they shouldn't be making them, it's that they should be minimizing them. And over the last two years, this Rangers roster has been unable to minimize their mistakes. Um, I don't want to say excited because, again, it's, it's going to be a tough year. We're going to have weeks on this podcast where you and I come on the podcast and the Rangers have lost every game they played last week. And oh, that's going to happen gonna to, a lot. It's going to happen a lot. And we're going to have to find some positives to talk about. And it's not just going to be us shitting on the Rangers parade all the time. And that is, it, it, it's not easy. It's going to be difficult. Um, I'm not overly excited for those weeks where the Rangers go on West Coast trips and lose every game five to two. And because the West is loaded, the West, the West is loaded and the Rangers defense is Swiss fucking cheese. But the Rangers defense being Swiss cheese this year is actually kind of by design. Whereas the last two years, the Rangers defense being Swiss cheese is I'm not, you know what? I'm not doing it. We're talking about yeah, how excited we're talking we about the new culture, Greg. Yeah. I, uh, and we'll, we'll we're going to, again, we're going over the line soon. And that's, that's when we'll go deep on our um, individual takes about some of these defenders. Well, well but, why wait? Yeah. Why wait? Let's do it now. So to answer your question, excited is not the right word, but it's not like last year when, I remember on the podcast, you straight up asked, Greg, you're excited for the season. I was like, should I be? <laughs> no, it was worse than that. It was way yeah, worse. It, it was, it was, I, I honestly think it was like, Ryan, no, I am not. Yeah, you were like, I'll, Ryan, I'll be honest with you. I'm not excited for Rangers hockey whatsoever. And I and was like, I, excuse but, me? I'm sorry. Uh, at the end of the day, who was right? Just tell, just tell me. Just tell okay. me. At the All end right, of the day, listen, who was right? Listen, I hate doing this. Just say it, Ryan. You were, you were right. Wasn't I, though? You were right last year. This year, I'm all in. There's too much new. There's too much culture change. I, I, the, the, fu- the funny thing is you say there's too much new, and this roster is almost exactly the same roster the Rangers had at the last game. But it just season. feels like they're new players. Even Yeah, he, because it's a new system. It's going to be fun to see how an, an actual coach coaches this and team. And it feels like Quinn is actually installing a, his culture. And uh, you know what? Kill me. Sue me. Culture matters. <laughs> Can I kill you? Kill is me. That, is that kill me, anybody, please. <laughs> uh, he said on a podcast to the public. Uh, it, it, culture matters. Like I know the saber metrics and all that, all that really is going to be telling of how many, how teams perform and all that. But at the end of the day, like the culture, like Lavidio didn't talk to anybody. David Quinn is putting emphasis on making sure there is an energy around this team and every single player has reported there has been. So why wouldn't I be excited? This team might not get more than 75 points this year, but it'll be more enjoyable watching this team get to 75 points than it was watching an Elaine Vigneault team get to 100. Most standing projections have the Rangers in last. And have a- Yeah, it, it's tough because at, at one point, I, I get it. I'm not here to say that this Rangers roster is good. Uh, on the other hand... It just it feels better than what the Islanders have it just to name feel, like, one team. I, I'm looking at the Islanders roster I was earlier, and I was like, "Are we not better than them?" Because I feel like we're a lot better than them. Yeah, it it it's weird, and it's also one of those weird things where I don't want to be angry that team people are saying the Rangers are going to be butt because it benefits the Rangers to be butt. 
Like, it's not a bad thing that the Rangers might only get to 72 points. No, it's not. That gives them probably fourth best odds. And Gordon gave when the it cupcake. Comes to getting Jack Hughes. Yeah, Gordon gave the cupcake answer, which was like, of course we're a playoff team. I'm not going to tell these guys they're not good enough to be a playoff team. Most of these guys have been to the playoffs. And he's right, but he's also wrong. There's just the team. The team has a lot of talent, but it's not talented enough to really yeah, I don't, get through. I, the difference between this Rangers team and, say, the Philadelphia 76ers during the process is the 76ers were clearly not trying to win basketball games, right? Yes. They weren't really fielding a competitive team. They were playing Elton Brand when he couldn't play basketball. The Rangers are fielding a competitive team. Holy shit, that's big. Okay, anyway. I knew it was a uh, spider before you even said anything. Oh, my God, dude. This one is it's the size of a fucking buffalo nickel. Not cutting this out. All right, keep going. Uh, anyway, and the, it's a competitive team the Rangers have built. It's just n- not good defensively. I, I I don't think there's any reason for us to. No, we'll score a lot. And I think, I think we're gonna be, lose. We're gonna lose a lot of games, like six to four. And I think there'll be a, so, like a streak during the year where the Rangers somehow pull off like a six-game win streak, and we're all really excited about it. Like it's all coming together. I don't, it, I it, don't know. It may be get, maybe yes. in April. So uh, mm, we'll see. Okay. All right, uh, let's go through the lines, shall we? Shall we? I'm also sending you a snap at this fucking spider. I actually just got it. I'll pick it up in a second. Uh, KZB is the... How did you just get it? I haven't sent it to you yet. Oh, I didn't get it. It's somebody else. Now I got mm-hmm. it. Hmm. Now you got it. Popular guy I am. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, KZB, top yeah. line. Like this... it? It's it. The line's cooking. It It's looked the best during preseason, and yeah, it's only preseason, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time... It, for the last two years, it has clearly been the Rangers' best line. There's no reason to break it up now. I like that Quinn is giving it a shot at the beginning of the season. I understand what some people say uh, by suggesting Jesus spread Christ. out your best wingers, especially during a season where emphasis is on um, development. So putting someone like Kreider with Heedle sure does make a lot of sense because you're trying to give Heedle as much options as possible. But at the same time, you, you also, I, I just feel like we forget how young Booch is sometimes. And I think it's important to keep Booch in a position to succeed, especially this year. So if you've got KCB at the top, it's it, it's got the most chemistry. They've had the most time together of the, all the Ranger lines that are going to be running out this year. It's, le, it's a legitimate number one line in the NHL. Yeah, and Booch is I'm, 23 years old. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to see how good it is over a full season. I, it's important to find out for sure. I, I, I couldn't be more excited for that line. That's... Obviously, our best line by a lot, I think. If, uh, I'm going to do a little plug here. Drew Way wrote a, a piece for our website about that, if you want to go read more about the KZB line and the effectiveness of it. Sure did. Uh, next line we have is VC Hayes and Zuccarello. This line's interesting, right? Like, I, my first take was, hmm, is this really what I want as my second line? And I know that I feel like the, the lines two through four, even we do say that. I mean, I, I feel like lines two and three are kind of interchangeable. Yeah, 100%. I'm... A little surprised they didn't want to put Zuccarello immediately with Heedle. Just to, again, for the same reason why you would put someone like Kreider with Heedle, give Heedle as many options, proven NHL scoring wingers to make him as successful as possible out of the gate. Um, I will say VC looked bad during preseason. I really don't think there's anything else we can say about that beyond that. Um, At the same time, is there a player on the Rangers who has more chemistry with Jimmy Vc than Kevin Hayes? Probably not. No. So if if we're going to use this first part of the season to figure out what the fuck Jimmy Vc actually is, and we're going to give him just a mulligan uh, out of preseason, 
Yeah, and it makes sense to put VC with Hayes. And it also, their games kind of do complement each other because Kevin Hayes sometimes just feels allergic to shooting, whereas shooting is all Jimmy VC does. So, and, and Zook sets up both. Yeah, and, and Zook is not afraid to pull the trigger either. It's, it's a solid line. It, it'll definitely help both Hayes and Zook's trade markets. Uh, if those two have success together, they're going to look better. They're going, the Rangers are going to be able to ask for more on the trade market. So there's, there's long-term strategy in making that your line in the sense that you need to give, you need to put someone next to Jimmy Vesey to give him a legitimate chance. And you need to make sure Hayes and Zuccarello are featured in the beginning portion of the season. So I, I get it. I, it makes sense to me. I can justify it. The next line is Spooner, Heedle, Fast. And I, this is a line I actually really enjoy. But I again, I could make a case that Spooner and Nemestikov could be in the VC spot. And maybe that will happen down down the road here. But let's keep to this line for now. Spooner, Heedle, Fast. Uh, I'm really interested to see what Spooner will do under Quinn. Uh, I, again, like you said, I think he just could be trade bait. This, he could be on, on a performance level. This is his chance to, to prove himself as an actual scorer and that could be traded to another team. Uh, and... Are these the appropriate line mates for Hedl to be playing with? I mean, Fast is a, is a player that is perfect for Hedl, I think. is a veteran presence that can keep Hedl on his toes and will be able to keep him, like, sort of protected on that line. Yeah, Fast, Fast being with Hedl, I think, is kind of the... I mean, I mean we, how many times have we talked in this podcast about Hedl being the like a Swiss Army knife? He really is the jack-of-all-trades oh, when it awesome. comes to this Ranger lineup. I, I, you could have... You could have told me Foss was on the fourth line with Howden or on the third line with Heedle. It makes perfect sense to me either way you put it because he is just a bona fide NHL winger who has the ability. You don't lose anything offensively with him. You definitely gain a ton defensively with him. He's going to be a good safety blanket for Heedle. Whereas Spooner, I mean, Spooner at the end of the season for the New York Rangers was a scoring machine. He had 20 points in what, 18 games? Yeah, you're going to want to see what you have with him. Yeah, and Spooner also is, for lack of a better term, a bit of a defensive liability. So putting Spooner on the line with Faust, who, again, is a guy that is going to help your team defensively. Underrated two-way player, and always has been. Yeah, so you're, you're actually putting Spooner in a position to succeed as well. And we've, I mean, we've talk, talked with our friends over at Stanley Cup of Chatter countless times. Spooner's a guy who basically has lacked opportunities in the top nine. That he didn't really get well, a real chance in Boston. He's going to get one in New York. And honestly, if Spooner plays really well with Heedle, he could see more ice time next to Hayes and Zuccarello. There's no guarantee that Jimmy VC will stay on that line all season. And I just I think Spooner is a good piece to put next to Heedle to start. It's not going to be a high scoring line. It doesn't have to be a high scoring line. But all three of those pieces seem to complement each other well. The last line is Domestikov, Howden, and Vinny Letieri. The thing about this line in general is I don't hate it. And it's the fourth line. Like, having Domestikov on the fourth line feels strange to me. Howden's going to be scrappy, he's, he's, and so is Letieri. I, I want to give Domestikov every bit of the benefit of the doubt that I'm giving VC for his bad preseason, but it wasn't a good preseason. And quite honestly, it wasn't a good end of the year for Domestikov either. It was not. Um, if so anyone it has. Turns out when you leave playing two All Stars, you look a little worse. I mean, it's not just that, though. I, I Again, I, I hate just saying do anyone can play with Kucherov and Stamkos, blah, blah, blah. No, you have to be a good NHL player to keep up with good NHL players. It's just 
something seems off. I don't quite know what it is. Um, I don't see Nemesnikov on the fourth line as a punishment per se, but I I think it's it's easy. I it's pretty easy to say he didn't earn himself a bigger role with the New York Rangers. I could sit here season. and overreact to this. If I was going to overreact to anything, it would be putting Nemesnikov on the fourth lineup. Like he's a return for our biggest trade, but it's just not a big deal. I think he'll be up on the second or third line before we know it. And at the same time, again. Like we talked about with Heedle, it doesn't hurt to have actual NHL players playing alongside your rookies. And Brett Howden is going to start his NHL career playing next to Vladimir Nemestikov, who has experience playing with two of the best players in the NHL. That helps. It benefits your young players to have that kind of player on his line with them so he can learn on the job. Um, and as for Letary, he earned it. That was an, I, I, I honestly believe it was an open competition for the 12th forward spot, and Vinny won it. I think it, it it would not have hurt my feelings if it also went to uh, Vili Meskinen. It would not have hurt my feelings. Michael Lindquist really didn't establish himself in training camp. Don't think so. So that that was a little disappointing. But look, I got I got no complaints about Vinny being on that fourth line. He's he's trigger happy. I like having trigger happy players on a fourth line. He's he's going. He's not afraid to stick his nose where um, others may be a little bit more tentative. I'm I'm all in for it. That yeah. that's a solid I, fourth line. I, I like it when the coaches say, "Listen, this is an open competition. Anyone can make it," and they mean because Vinny making the team is is a testament to that. That they actually stuck to their word. If you played hard through preseason and camp, and we like the way you play, you could make this team. That's exactly what happened. Yep. Let's do these defensive pairs, and then we have to talk with our good friend Rick Carpinello. Oh, we do. Oh, okay, coach. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Shea McQuaid is the top pairing. <sighs> I what? so unlike well unlike unlike with the the forward lines I really don't think the Rangers are going to have like a clear cut top pairing. I agree with you. Like Shane McQuaid might take the ice first, but we really might see a scenario where all three defensive pairings are playing the exact same minutes every night. The at first when I saw that Shea was paired with McQuaid, I was like, "What the fuck is happening here?" And then the more I thought about it, Ryan, I'm not going to lie to you, kind of makes a little sense. Just their, okay. just their styles. No, I'm not ready for this. Their, their, sty- their styles, their styles. Y- you can see what David Quinn is trying to do with all his defensive pairings, right? He spread out his more offensive-minded defensemen and put them with more. I, w- I don't want to say stay-at-home guys, but bodies in the zone, right? Shea is more of an offensive-minded defenseman. The Rangers are trying to see what he can do as a two-way defender. But where Shea's game is right now, you see some elite offensive ability. So what do you do? You pair him with Adam McQuaid, who is, for lack of a better term, a stay-at-home D. He's not lack of a better term. He is. Like, right. That's what so is. If, Shea, if Shea is organizing the breakout, McQuaid is lingering a little bit behind to protect, to make sure numbers aren't coming back the other way. Same thing with Stahl Pionk. Pionk is definitely, especially compared to Mark Stahl, an offensive dynamo. And we, we're, we're seeing it because the Rangers are putting – Pionk, and we're, like, we're going to get to the power plays in a little bit. But we'll do the power plays with Rick. Well, how about that? Yeah. Well, Pionk right now is quarterbacking the second power play unit, which means two things to me. One, the Rangers see him as a force offensively. And two, Tony D'Angelo is not playing opening night. Both of those things are fine. And putting Pionk with Stahl, again, similar style, where the forwards are going to be playing with the similar type of players. Whatever forward group is out there with – McQuaid Shea, they're going to see the same thing when they're out there with well, Stall and Peacock. And to a point, they're going to see the same thing 
with Smith and Shattenkirk. Smith isn't quite the traditional stay-at-home defenseman. No, he's not. But Shattenkirk is going to be in charge of leading the offensive movement from the defensive zone, whereas Smith will be able to linger back a little bit. I I don't love the idea of Brady Shea playing with Adam McQuaid. At the same time, I love the idea that David Quinn has a system he wants to run and he has all these defensive pairings with the ability to play that defensive system. It makes sense from a A is paired with B standpoint because you have an A and a B with every defensive pairing. It feels like there's a reasoning behind it. Right. You can see you can see the plan. I don't think David Quinn is saying Adam McQuaid is a top pairing defender. I think David Quinn is saying Adam McQuaid's game plays well with Brady Shea's game. Ideally, the Rangers would have a defender not named Adam McQuaid who can provide Shea with the same balance. But right now, Adam McQuaid is the best thing the Rangers have in terms of that balance. So I am 100% fine with the Rangers just saying, look, this is what we have. We have a plan in place for our defensive unit. This is how we're going to carry out that plan for now. Not going to be pretty to start the season, but this is this is the makings of how I want to run my defense. Uh, and if anybody's going to benefit from this the most, Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith is giving Woo! is being given every choo, opportunity choo. to everybody. succeed. And right at choo choo. Yeah, I'm ready, man. I can't wait to get all the tweets uh, that are like, "Hey, Brendan Smith made a turnover and they scored." <laughs> it's all your fault. Uh, yeah, Brandon, Brandon Smith is is, is getting the that biggest opportunity on the Rangers blue line because he's going to get to play with Shattenkirk. The rain that that at by the end of the first week, I think that will be the pairing that gets the most minutes, and I think part of I'm it will you. because I think that's going to emerge as the Rangers' best pairing. Let's not, not keep our, our friend waiting. Let's go uh, call Ricky Carpinello, and we can come back and talk about this if we miss anything. All right, fine, 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 fine. transition. Hey, we're back with our good, dearest friend, Rick Carpinello of The Athletic. Rick, <laughs> it is a pleasure to have you back on. What's up, man? Yeah, I can imagine what you guys are saying behind my back. Yeah, well, we called you an <laughs> asshole before you came on, but we don't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All good. All is good. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. I have a question I asked Greg at the start of the show. I'm going to ask you. Uh, last year yeah. at the start of the season, I asked Greg, are you excited for Ranger season? And he said no. This year he said something <laughs> not similar, but... A different take on it. Are, are you excited for this Ranger season coming up? Has it piqued your interest? I, I am, as a as a person who has no dog in the fight. Uh, you know, I, I don't care if they win or lose. But I've been doing this for, as you know, many centuries, and I've never seen a rebuild. I've never seen a rebuild ever. So this is brand new to me. Um, I love the direction that they're taking and and the way they're going about it. And I've never seen a Rangers organization with the uh, amount, the quality, and the quantity of young talent that they're that they're starting to stockpile. So you know, I think it's really cool. I mean, I don't think there are any Brian Leaches in there, but you know, I also think there there's going to be you know five, six, eight, maybe ten of these kids whose names we know are going to be on the Rangers in the next three years, and. Um, so, yeah, I think this is something really new and uh, and cool to cover. You know, I've always said, too, you want a team, you want to cover a team that either stinks or is really good. You don't want to do a mediocre season after a mediocre season after a mediocre season. And I think they were heading toward that. Um, and, and I think that now it's good that they bottomed out and 
there's something here. They're not going to be a great team. They're not going to be a good team for a while. But I, I think it's certainly interesting to watch. Um, I fear a little bit that the story may get old <laughs> because there's going to be 82 games of how the kids do tonight. But um, but I am. I am. I'm really looking forward to this. Speaking of the kids, Rick, I, coming out of training camp, the biggest storyline yeah. was not so much the kids that are here, but the kid that isn't. Um, yeah. I know in your final roster prediction, you had a sense that Leah Sanderson was making this team. Ryan and I have been under the impression that Leah Sanderson was going to make this team. So for lack of a better term, it was surprising to see Anderson not make the team. But yeah. I wonder if where you fall on the is it disappointing or is it part of the bigger plan? Because it, it sure does feel like in in the fan speak, um, lines have been drawn. And I, I don't think personally it's necessary. I, I totally agree with you. I, you know, let me let me backtrack a little bit here um, chronologically, because I wrote earlier that Anderson and Hedl were going to be locks to be on the team. There's no question they're going to be on the team. And then I started getting some whispers and hints from the organization that don't be so sure that if Howden really has a great camp, he'd be more uh, adept at playing the fourth center and one of the other two, most likely Anderson, because he was pretty good <laughs> and uh, would, would have to go back because they don't want him to play wing and they want him to play a lot of minutes. Um, so for Anderson to play fourth line minutes here, uh, I, I understand how that doesn't make sense. I was still I was still surprised because I thought he had a really good training camp and a really good exhibition season. But so did Howden, and Howden's, you know, Howden's probably a more NHL-ready player right now. So I, I see what happened here, and, and I, you know, there was also a couple of games there where they played Heedle on the wing, and I thought, okay, well, if they do that, then Anderson's definitely going to be on the team, and if they stuck with that, he would be on the team, but. You know, you know Hayes is going to play middle. You know Zabanjad is going to play middle. And there's only two spots for three kids. And uh, so I think it, may, it does make a lot of sense for him to go to Hartford, uh, be a call-up at some point, um, you know, play, play a ton of, of good quality, you know, top six minutes and, uh, and see what happens. But you know, there's no question in my mind he's going to be an NHL player. There's no question in my mind that the Rangers absolutely love him. Um, I, I think this, you know, I think a, a lot of the reaction that you're talking about is a bunch of nonsense. He's just, he's 19. I just, I don't know of anyone who at 19 years old, we could make definitive statements like he's a bust or he's not living up to expectations. Maybe it's just that he's 19 and he's a teenager and the Rangers see that he needs to improve on his game. And they feel the best way for him to improve on that game is playing 15 plus minutes a night in Hartford, as opposed to 10 minutes a night in New York. I'm fine with with that. With Cody McLeod. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I agree with that. And you know, at 19, Pavel Brendel was a, still a prospect. <laughs> so, you know, you don't call people a bust at 19. You don't. And this kid is not a bust. This kid's going to be an NHL player, and he's going to be a good NHL player. How high his ceiling is, we don't know that yet. Um, he he showed me a lot more offensive ability than I thought he had in the, in the few times, the, you know, relatively few times I've seen him. Um and, and the rest of his game, his 200-foot game is really good. Um, Howden's 200-foot game is is the same, um, although he does not. He probably doesn't have the offensive uh, potential ceiling that this kid has. I, I think it makes all sense in the world when you really look at it for him to go back and play. And 
and also that you know this year is not about this year this year is about not even next year it's about two years from now um you know this is going to be a journey for this team there are there are a number of kids that are going to arrive next fall and then there's going to be another number of kids that arrive the fall after that and um you know anderson's going to be ready when that happens and, and some and some of these guys that are playing ahead of him now are not going to be here there's no question that you know probably by the trade deadline there's going to be a lot of roster spots that need to be filled and he'll certainly be one of those so um you know i i think to me it makes all sense in the world when you when you really look at it I, but i was surprised yes how have you felt so far about Quinn's culture and what he's done for the team? Have you noticed anything in particular, a, a change of energy around the team? or? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, it's night and day. He's, you know, he's got, a, he's got a little bit of that Tortorella in him. I like that. Um, but, but the good part, you know, <laughs> like, he's respect, like he's respectful and he doesn't try to scare the crap out of the kids and, he, and he's not going to be punishing people you know, or after one offense and, and, um, but he, but he's very, uh, regimented in how he wants things done. And, uh, his practices during, during training camp were the, the one-on-ones and the two-on-twos and three-on-threes were so intense. There was a lot of battle. Um, you know, you, you saw, you saw kids <laughs> getting, getting knocked on their, on their asses and you don't see that in training camp. Um, and you know there were no fights or anything, but there was a lot of real intense game level battle, and uh, you don't you don't see that there. You know they did a lot of things in the in the, I don't know half I don't want to say half court, but just the blue line in. They'd have two nets, either either facing each other or side by side, and they'd have battles going on on both nets, and then they'd switch and they'd battle in the other net, and it was just it was really cool to see. But you know he's he's really making a point of teaching of calling people aside, veterans and kids, call them aside. You could see him chatting with them uh, at length on the ice. Uh, and then he pats them on the back and the kid nods and, and they go back to work. And it's um, it, it's quite impressive. Um, you know, I, I don't expect miracles out of him either, but I think it's going to be a way different look for this team as it com- how it competes, how it plays, and, uh, and also the system is going to be a lot different. Rick, outside of... Leas and Howden, was there a roster move that you would call a surprise or was there a roster move you would classify as more difficult than others? Uh, you mean among the final 23? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I was, I was not surprised that Vinny Letary made the team because he had a, he had a tremendous preseason. Um, but, I, you know, if he told me before the season that he would make the team, I, I would have been a little surprised. Um, I'm not. Uh, I was surprised that you know the handling of the Tony D'Angelo thing, um, where they kind of. I think they kind of did their homework and figured out that he would be lost to waivers. Where originally I think they felt it would be 50-50, and so they you know they decided he's not going to Hartford because he's not going through waivers. Um, not a not a twenty. What is he? Twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to do that. So um, you know that that surprised me a little bit that they you know they decided to keep him. Uh, rather than risk losing him, because you know, I, I, in truth, I don't think he he's in the picture when this team is good again, um, unless he unless he really shows a lot of improvement. And he might, and he might. Um, you know, he's had he had a good camp too, but um, 
I don't think any, you know, the surprise, is, the surprise would have been if they kept Bolesky and McLeod, and Bolesky got hurt, so took care of that. Um, the surprise would have been if they hadn't kept uh, Georgiev at the start, at least. I understand that he's going to go down to Hartford and play some games at, at points when Lundquist plays a lot, which makes all the sense in the world again. Uh, but really, the, really other than that, I, I don't think there was too much that surprised me. Speaking of waivers, obviously today was the big day where we see the fringe guys come out onto the yeah. market. Have you heard any rumblings of the Rangers being active with some of those players that might be on waivers? Yeah. I know um, there was buzz. Daniel Carr is a name the Rangers were in, intrigued with this offseason yeah. before he signed with Vegas. He's on waivers. Sam Gagne, yeah. he's on yeah. waivers. Dimitri Yaskin from the Blues is on waivers. Have you heard yeah. anything that the Rangers might dabble a little bit or – is the 23 to 23. Uh, yeah, everything I've heard is they've had, they had enough trouble getting to what to where they are and you know, they'd have to make another move to in order to claim someone. They'd have to get rid of someone. So um you know, I know a lot of fans don't want to see Cody McLeod on the team and I and I get that uh although I also get why he's here with this young team. Um so you know, I I don't see them doing that because they had a hard time getting to 23. And uh, unless they make a trade, which I don't think is happening until February, uh, you know, like a Zuccarello-type trade or a Hayes-type trade, uh, they don't really have an opening. Now, things, you know, things could have changed if there had been another injury somewhere, but they didn't have it. They're healthy right now. So, uh, so no, I don't think they are. Uh, I could be totally wrong on that. Uh, but, the, but the feeling I got, like, today was – uh, Gagne, no chance. Um, so there might, you know, there might be, there might be another guy that I'm not aware of, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's a possibility right now. Do you think that's po- possibly because they're afraid how those players would mesh, or they just don't want to take the chance, or they're happy with the guys they have now? Yeah, and and you know you and and you also always have to say why is he on waivers, right? Like if you can't make the Canucks. Why? Why do we want this? That's a guy? fair point. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. So, so yeah. So, I make a fair point every now and then. That was but, a good one. Uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. You guys are nice. Oh yeah, we're so nice guys. That's how we never never said a bad thing about you, Carl. Uh, I, I will. Uh, I, uh, I do think some of Gagne, not to cut you off though, is that that's a guy that clearly found success playing power play minutes in a bottom six role with a very good Blue Jackets team. And then a team like the Canucks is like, oh, well, he can work as a second-line center. And then, no, he's just not a second-line center, guys. Like, yeah, if you overexpose him, he's going to get overexposed. It's it's not that hard. Right. It's like Nemestikov in Tampa. Right? (laughs) Nemestikov in Nemestikov in Tampa, he's a top-line player. Boy, he's really good, this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's bringing here. I I do think it's kind of like Nemestikov, whereas I think if the Rangers wanted to trade him, they easily could. Gagne is a guy kind of like Bolesky, right? Where you bring him in and then you tell other teams, hey, look at this useful bottom six center that can eat some power play time for you and play better than whoever your fourth line center is right now. We'll take half his contract for the next two years because we're not trying to win a cup. So now you're talking about Gagne at about one and a half million a year. And that's probably a a fair price on Gagne. So it's, it's, it's like McQuaid where you bring him in you eat some salary, and all of a sudden, this becomes an asset you can trade for better than what you gave up. And you wouldn't give up for anything for Gagne. But I, I also understand why the Rangers wouldn't do it because 
what did we just talk about earlier in this podcast? The Rangers had three young centers they needed to squeeze into two spots. Now you're going to say you got three young centers to squeeze into one spot if you're bringing a guy like Gagne. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense on, on a lot of, you know, you may not be able to trade him because you have to do this quickly. You have to, you have to claim him quickly. You may not be able to trade him. Then what do you do? Um, I mean, you put him through waivers again, obviously, and send him to Hartford, but you don't, you can't, uh, you can't make a trade that quickly. You can't claim him and say, yeah, all right, we'll trade him. And I just, I don't think it makes, I don't think it's really a possible, a, a viable solution at this point. Rick, yeah. Rick, the the top power play line is labeled currently as Kreider, Heedle, Zavenajad, Shattenkirk, and Butchnevich. Why was that yeah. so hard to figure out? <laughs> well, I, for one I don't thing, understand. Yeah, well, for one thing, their leading scorer the last three or four years is usually on their power play, and you know, I I've always said I said when he first got here, when Matt Zuccarello first got here. And even through the good years, 14, 15, 16, or part of 16, he was the best power play player they had. They didn't have a point guy, and he was their passer. Uh, he ran the whole thing from the sideboards, and he was their guy. And I thought last year and part of the year before, he was where the power play went to die because the puck would go to the sidewall, and he would just look for the perfect pass, and he'd sit there with it, and the power play stunk, as you guys know. So... I think, you know, him taking up that time was hard to figure out. Um, you know, finally last year they figured out that Kreider is a better net front guy than Rick Nash was. So these things do take time. And Bushnevich, we obviously know, you know, wasn't in great standing last year. Yep. So they had to figure that out. And uh, and Shattenkirk was hurt. So now they have, now they have you know, the five guys that they're going to go with. And, uh I think it's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good group, um, you know. And I think Hayes became a really good power play player too last year when when they let him at uh, second half of the season. So I expect the power play to be pretty decent. Um, you know, it was at what thirty three or thirty five percent during the preseason, or more maybe. I think I think it was about thirty three percent. I'm I'm very excited for this power play in general. It it's a dream power play for us. If if this wasn't the first line, this is what I would be screaming about to be the first line. And I'm glad I don't have to. I don't yeah. have to beg. That's the nicest part about this team so far. There's been no begging. Everything I want has happened. <laughs> not, not yet you're not begging. Yeah, no. <laughs> but that, you know, yeah, but, get, you, know, you, know it, you know it's fluid. You know it's going to be fluid. And, I, and if it doesn't work, he's going to change it. I've lived this life um, for three years. I'm ready to be sad. It's just I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, I've come to no disappointment quite well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, the second power play, like you were, you were saying, is VZ Hayes, Zuccarello, Spooner, and Pionk. Pionk being on the second power play is very interesting, and it kind of proves the point that D'Angelo won't be playing uh, opening night, that they've been practicing him yeah. on the second line. Uh, what have your thoughts been, been on Pionk so far this camp? Um, I think he's been good. Uh, you know, I thought he was pretty good last year, and he leveled off a little bit toward the end, but who didn't? Yeah, they, and, that team uh, gave up, so. Yeah, and you know, but I think I think he's been good in camp, um, especially the especially the early part of the preseason. I thought he was really strong. Um, they like obviously his skating, but they like they like the way he can defend too. And that and I think that's the only thing that's holding down holding back D'Angelo is his ability to defend. And and they already got a guy like that in Shattenkirk. And I know I'm probably going to open up a can of worms here. Oh boy! But you know. 
<laughs> I like uh, first of all, let me say I like Shattenkirk. He's a tremendous person, a great guy, and I also think in this league he's a star type player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you can play him in a shutdown type role. And uh, you know, and so you can't have D'Angelo too. I don't think. I don't think you can have both of them in the lineup at the same time, unless I mean Shattenkirk's not going to change D'Angelo. Maybe D'Angelo can change his stripes and learn to defend a little bit better. And if he does, again, he's still very young. He's got a lot of skill. I love the way he plays with a little snarl. And uh, and, and I think, you know, you can't have both of them. But but D'Angelo can still save his career and still make an NHL player out of himself if he learns to defend. Um, I don't know where we started with that, but <laughs> I think we started with. I, I, I don't think your your floodgates of saying that Chattenkirk isn't a shutdown defender is that hot of a take. To be honest with you, I, I think yeah. that's kind. Of, he that's kind of been his mo when he came here, especially. He's an he's an offensive no, defenseman, and we saw guys, quickly. Yeah, we know we we handle those people on Twitter like we got, got we finally got this guy. He took a discount to be here. Why is he the shutdown defender? Because he's not man. He's a he's a he's a quarterback in the power play. Who's a really offensive dynamic player who's an all-star type player, but is it going to be the guy who shuts everyone down? Right. And, you know, it's not. And, and, you know, <laughs> you guys and I, we discussed my Twitter reactions last time we met. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so somebody came on the other day and said, when is this narrative that Shattenkirk can't defend ever going to stop? And I said, when he learns to defend. <laughs> I'm not getting. I'm not going to get into it with these with people like this. I'm not. I, I've been biting my tongue a lot, my my proverbial tongue, my Twitter tongue, a lot lately. Uh, so uh, I, I I do think it's funny. I I think the OK Coach line came from a conversation you and I had about McDonough and Chattenkirk. It did actually. Yeah, it probably did. It probably uh, did. But that's question? probably a number. Yeah, I mean, you probably, could have probably not. There's probably a number of things that could have could have gotten that reply. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan and I talked about this before you jumped on, Rick, and we're starting to see Quinn. We understand. I'm trying to think of the words here that aren't just being like Elaine Vino's an idiot. Um, Keep going. It's easier to see the things that Quinn is trying to do with his defensive pairings. If you go down the yeah. list, it's it's almost like Brady Shea top-end skater, can handle the puck of the offensive zone, paired with Adam McQuaid, who's a bit more stay-at-home. Pionk with Stahl, same thing. Shattenkirk with Smith, same thing if Brandon Smith is Brandon Smith. It, do, you, do you see Quinn's strategy defensively a little bit more clearly than we ever saw Elaine Vigneault's? Yes, of course. And, and not, you know, not just the strategy, but the, the systems and the implementation. And I think, I think Greg Brown – is going to be a very important guy this year because he's he's going to coach the defenseman. Um, I've already noticed. Uh, and don't let me get off topic here, but because because I tend to forget. That's what we, we do, were. so that's fine. <laughs> so anyway, so I've already noticed that the Rangers defensemen as a group are staying on their feet more. They're not they're not going sliding doing the Girardi Snow Angels, um, which as you know became infectious throughout the defense corps. In the last couple of years, um, I think they they are learning to use their sticks on the ice the way the Devils di- dynasty used to do. I mean, the Devils dynasty, everybody talks about the trap. Well, yeah, the trap was great and their goalie was great, but the Devils defensemen used to be notorious for sticks in lanes, sticks on pucks, sticks on the ice, and 
people staying on their skates. And I think we're seeing that with the devil, with, not with the devil, with the Rangers uh, defenseman now. Like we haven't seen it in a couple of years or, or many years, maybe since Girardi was born. <laughs> so I think that, I think that, you know, you are seeing a very definitive change among the defensemen. Now he also likes, and he has fortunately three righties, which is, a, which is a, you know, a good thing because Brendan Smith can go back to his side and shake and stay on his side. And, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Brad Smith was comfortable playing the right side, but should he play the right side? Is he that good a player that he that he can switch over left to the right? I don't think. I think he should be on the left side. And having three righties and three lefties makes a lot of sense. And the guy we have, you guys haven't mentioned yet, is Clayson. And I, you know, I think he starts as number seven or eight, whatever. But you know, I think he's going to play. Uh, I think they, you know, they got him for a reason. They liked him. They saw him uh, against the Rangers in the playoffs two years ago, and they liked him. They saw that he was able to play with Carlson to whatever uh, level of success or failure they had. But he did, he was able to play with them. So uh, he's another guy who who could be in the in the mix for playing time. And certainly, of course, there's there's going to be injuries too. So yeah. well, I do. I, I think I think that you know, and I think in the system, obviously. Uh, where they're not chasing the puck so much, where they're where they're more tightly grouped, where they're not playing that whatever man to man, whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. where they're kind of more in a zone, and and they're moving as a fi- as a group of five as opposed to uh, the chaos that that ensued last year and the year before. Uh, I think you know the defensive way they play is going to be completely different, completely different. I think the happiest guy in the whole world is going to be number thirty. Yeah, I, w- I will say when you brought up Clayson, and this is a point that Ryan and I have talked about on the podcast before, and it's even more imperative this season because the Rangers, again, they're not exactly playing for a playoff spot. There's no law that says Mark Stahl has to play every night. If the Rangers feel like playing him twice a week to keep him fresh is the easiest way to get Freddie Clayson in the lineup for 30, 40 games, there's no reason not to do it. it you just don't have to play Stahl. You don't even have to play Stahl 60 games. You do not. No, and if he doesn't play well, there's no reason to play him at all. Because <laughs> if he doesn't play well, he's going to be out the door in June. So, you know, there's no reason to play any of those guys. I mean, Brendan Smith, you want to play him because you want to get his trade value up. Um, and because you know, he's good exactly. again, Rick, okay? <laughs> Riding that oh, trade. I forgot, <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I, I really hope Brendan Smith can, re- a.k.a. return to form. Not that he ever had an amazing top-level form, but I just think he is right. an NHL-quality player that can provide quality minutes for the team. And uh, it right. seems like he's bonded with the team. Not that I've stalked their social media, but I totally have. He's been hanging out with them more than anything else. He spent the summer with them. Looks like he got in shape. So he put in the work, yeah. and hopefully he can, you know, show that on the ice. Yeah, you know, I went to uh, this summer. Um, I went to the the rink in Stamford where <clears throat> that Ben Prentice has his conditioning and hockey coaching school, and I saw Kreider there, and then I saw Booney Evans, and then I found out that Smith was back there working, and uh, I'm trying to remember how many uh, Shattenkirk was certainly back there. You know, all these guys go to this Ben Prentice for conditioning, and Neil and not Neil Smith. Brendan Smith was, um, you know, he was he was supposedly working as hard as anybody because he obviously his career was on the line. His NHL career was on. You know, here's a guy who, if he comes into camp even a little body fat, he's in Hartford immediately. So, um, you know, a lot of them did work in that place and they worked hard. 
And Kreider, Kreider's down to 215, and he said he's stronger than he's ever been. It's terrifying. So, um, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think, you know, he's a guy that I really want to watch this year because um, I think he, he could have a really big year. I think he's ready to break out. And he, you know, he's an older guy, um, relatively speaking. He's 26 now, I think, right? He's 27. Well, whatever he is, I mean, you know, you, know, you, you talk about we – somebody and I were talking about at practice the other day how it's funny how 31, like 27. Mark and, and, and – yeah, well, thirty-one like like Stahl and Zuccarello and and Shatton and whatever Shattenkirk is twenty-nine. That's old now. That's now. yeah, it's old in hockey. Like, like what the heck? Oh, you know what? They used to be the prime. Oh, we sure Mark Stahl's thirty-one though. Have yeah, we seen a birth we've never seen a birth certificate. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> are we sure he's from Canada? Yeah, we sure. <laughs> Um, th- that's the thing. Uh, that is old in hockey, but it's not just hockey anymore, Rick. It's all sports. I mean, the NFL too. If, yeah. you're, if you're over thirty yeah. and you're not a quarterback, who? How are you even playing? It's incredible, and and, and we were talking. So we were talking about this in practice. You know, they, used, they used to be a prime. You know, when Brian Leach was thirty, he was winning Nars trophies. When when the Rangers got Mark Messier, he was thirty-one. Uh, you know, that, and his his career was just starting. Uh, it's amazing how how the game has changed in that regard. And I guess it's just because there are more good players worldwide uh, and because the game's gotten so fast. But, you know, I don't think, I don't think Mark Stahl is, is done physically. I mean, he may not be, he may not be a good player like he was, but I don't think he's done physically. I don't think Zuccarello is done physically, but, uh, but it's old. They're old now. They're old guys. And uh, they, they need to, uh, they need to manage that too. They need to, they need to manage their, like you said, Stahl doesn't have to play 60 games this year. Uh, Zagrello, I don't know what you know. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but if he fits with, with Cheeto, Cheeto, Heedle, if he fits with Heedle, and you know, and that works, um, he's going to get minutes, you know. But 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 that's like kind of like a third line, you know. Matt Zagrello is your leading scorer playing on third line. It's funny you mentioned oh, yeah. the, the, the old thing because like the, obviously you've heard the the Artemi Panarin rumors a couple months ago. And like he's gonna be yep. twenty eight when he's a free agent, twenty seven when he's a free agent, yep. and that's yep. considered old. And someone's gonna give him a seven year contract, and people are gonna be like, "Well, right. the end of that contract's gonna be tough." Yeah, he'll be thirty four. Right. <laughs> like right. that's not right. not old at all. Right. So, no. all right, sorry, no, Greg, no, cut no, you I'm off. Not even old. <laughs> what? It's, uh, yeah, thirty. You're, when you're my age, thirty four is like. Uh, yeah, we're I'm twenty. Sorry? We're both twenty nine. You know, we're, we're this is our prime. You're on the best years of our yeah. podcast, Rick. I don't know what to tell you. Two, Two more years, you guys are done. We're done. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, kidding me? I'm done now. I hurt my back. I, I, I can only hope. Uh, Rick, uh, are, are you – so you're saying are you going to do a shot with us every time that Micheletti, Rosen, or Giannone mention the fact that Brandon Smith lost 21 well, pounds? Well, Rick does a drink. Relax. You don't even know. I was yeah. there. <laughs> I'll, I'll do an uh, O'Doul's with you. <laughs> I'll shoot an O'Doul's. Yeah. We'll, we'll, drink glasses. we'll drink glasses of water. We'll stay hydrated. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I think I was drink. I think I was drinking for the for those uh, those Micheletti things. You know, when I was thirty, so I made up for, I made up for a lot of Micheletti was playing at the time. I guess when I was drink when I was drinking. So, uh, but I, I I had plenty. So I'm, I'm good. I, so so if I Rick, I should really stop too. Yeah, you should. You absolutely should. Uh, <laughs> final final point for me, Rick. Um, yes. Is this is there is there a player on the Rangers? In more of a make or break situation right now than Jimmy VC. 
Well, Brennan Smith, but but yeah, I, I, but yeah. Besides Smith, yeah. Some, someone else who doesn't have the, I guess, yeah. the baggage that Brendan Smith has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinny, uh, Jimmy's Jimmy's got to he's got to step it up. And I thought I thought his camp was ordinary, and I thought his preseason was really bad um, until the last game, last game and a half, maybe. Um, he he definitely you know he doesn't want you don't want that guy being a fourth liner and he doesn't want to be a fourth liner. He was supposed to be a power forward. Um, again, he's not in, he's not in his prime as we used to call it, but he's not he's not a baby anymore either. And uh, yeah, time is time to step up. No question about it. No question about it. And also with this coach who who you know has a history with him, this coach seems to know everybody. Everybody has some kind of connection to Boston or Boston U or with with Quinn, and uh, so you know that with Hayes and and all these guys, Kreider, you know he's got a special connection with these guys, and and that should be right in uh, VZ's wheelhouse. So it's up to him. I don't have any final thoughts, but I'd feel, I'd love it if you plugged what you do for a living. What I do for a living? Yeah, right for the Athletic, well, you know, about the Rangers beat writer. Oh, I thought you. I thought you meant stealing money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I work for the Athletic. I, co- I do. I cover the Rangers. The Athletic is a tremendous site, and I'm not saying that because I work there. Yeah, uh, here's what I'll fan, say. I've seen everyone get signed by the Athletic, but yet we're still sitting here. I send some emails <laughs> once in a while. They're like, "No, we don't care about audio," and I'm like, "Yeah, they, we've, we've gone back and forth a little bit." Yeah. Uh, but yeah. one, one day. We will get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm maybe I can pull some strings as I get more established. Don't forget, I started in February. So, oh, yeah. No, we don't. And, and the season ended April 7th, so uh, I said I'm some, just starting myself. I said some emails. I like, to, <laughs> I like to cry and beg and grovel about them. Like, you know, you signed everyone else. Like, we're super cheap. Like, we cannot well, I, be cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm telling you, you guys know, I'm sure you guys know, I'm sure you agree with me, the you can't get hockey coverage anymore anywhere. Oh. Like that, we were talking about this the other day too. The New York Times doesn't have a Rangers beat writer. The Daily News does not cover hockey. The three New Jersey papers, three main New Jersey papers, do not cover the Rangers. The Westchester paper, may they rest in peace, does not cover the Rangers. So you've basically got three beat guys covering the Rangers now: myself, Larry Brooks, and Colin Stevenson from Newsday. And and Brett Sergalis fills in for Larry, and it's not it was never like this before. And but you cannot get hockey coverage across the board of 31 teams plus all the national stuff. If I got fired tomorrow, I would still tell you the Athletic is an awesome site for hockey because you can't get hockey anymore. You can get football anywhere. You can get baseball anywhere. You can't mm, get hockey not sure you coverage. can get baseball anywhere anymore. They literally stole everyone. They took yeah. everybody. Yeah, no, card. no, I know, no, I know. But I mean, but, 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 still, news outlets cover baseball. Right, that's news correct. News outlets do not. News outlets do not cover hockey. But all my favorite baseball writers work for the Athletic now. I, I we've been huge supporters of the Athletic for what over a year now, Greg. Like, how many Athletic guys have we had on? Like eighty. Uh, I mean, but that's that's basic. Again, this isn't this isn't three guys doing a circle jerk on the Athletic. We don't mean, mean it to be that. But at the same time, to your point, Rick. Every time we want to talk about another team that we don't have the insight on, we yeah. just we turn to the we turn to an athletic writer because yeah. they're embedded. The athletic is yeah. crushing hockey coverage, and 
It's sure helping enough. us really? be smarter. Sure. We're two idiots. Yeah, microphone. Absolutely. <laughs> the Who only gave way us... we sound smart is by reading reading people. I bought these on the yeah. internet, well... and people think I'm smart. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you guys are idiots. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank I you. thought you were going to say you don't think we were smart. That, <laughs> was, that I was ready for. Yeah. We, and we deserved it, so that's fair. Uh, but Rick, uh, dude, I call your worst. I call your worst things off the air. Appreciate and... <laughs> it. We yeah. appreciate you coming on too, as always, man. Uh, it's my pleasure. I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, let's do it again. And uh, hope you guys enjoy the season. Trade a lot. trade deadline. We have a date. Just in case you were wondering, letting you know now. February twenty fifth. Okay. I think I'll be in Washington. Okay. I think I'll be in DC <laughs> somehow. All right. Later, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. Peace yeah. out. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good one. Hey, we're back, dude. Rick is the best. What a heel turn. We have. We're like we're the bad guys now, and and he's amazing. And we're like, yeah, okay. We used to Just, shit, shit mouth you all the time. We talked about this off, uh, off, off air, and I'm not, I w- we won't name names here outside of Rick. But had you told us the people we are closest with now in the Rangers hockey community, uh, if you told me eight months ago that this would be the case, yeah, I would have told you, asshole. <laughs> I would have said, "There's no way." I just, I just don't understand what, like, what the joke is you're going for. Yeah, like, like I wouldn't have understood the angle. What are you trying to do? Yet. You think we're going to be friends with Carp? That guy's a slob. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, and now it's uh, like uh, I love it. I, love I'm Carp. not gonna lie. I'm a little bummed that Carp wasn't like. Well, I don't think you guys are smart. Yeah, he could have so. jabbed us, man. He really could have, and it would have been totally deserving. Oh, because we yeah, uh, we, we were not we were not happy. I was not happy camper with Carp. I mean, I read some of his articles. And I was like, what is he doing? That was the, I. I'll I'll straight up say it. I was an asshole to Carp on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you were for I, sure. I'm just you know what? That's yeah. I just. I will say. I think we this, keep our names is, as the bad boys of Rangers podcasting. You know. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a this isn't directed towards Rick, but there are there are people on Rangers Twitter who they, you know what I hate the most on Twitter and no, great, tell me. I'm here. I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna lay down on this I'm couch. Lay down a larger couch. about society. Okay. If you got a problem with someone, just say you have a problem with them. Oh, like, ta- tag them, bro. Tag them. Tag them. Tag them. Tag them. Yeah. Like and a lot of this goes back to Leas. You know what? I'll, I'll I I can't stand here and say um, if you have a problem with someone, tag them. I, I know exactly what you're talking people. about. By the way, this is not. <laughs> yeah. I, Anyone in the know knows this conversation. We love Fitz dearly. He, oh, okay. he is so he is Ranger family to us, but yes. he's got beef with Adam Herman, and Adam Herman's got. Oh, well, we're with doing Fitz. this. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because I think I it needs to be put out there. I'm I'm fucking tired of everyone pussyfooting around the topic. I should, I should just cut it. They got they got beef with each other, and I honestly think part of this whole Leas Anderson conversation is because Herman and Fitz have beef. Like I get it, you guys hate each other. Oh. Fucking tag each other if you're gonna talk shit. Oh, this is gonna that's go, all I'm saying. It's going viral. Anyway, it's going viral. All right. Um, just, no, but do you disagree? Like, no, no. If you have a problem with me or Greg, you can tag us. Greg will call yeah, you. Tag a, us. Craig will call you. And a if shit. I got a problem with you, I'm gonna tag you. <laughs> Craig will call you. Eat a dick shit bird. And then I'll. Like, pop, there, was, uh, there was that fucking kid that slid in our mentions this week, being like, "Oh, what? When are you guys gonna stop having Matt Estevez on the podcast and talk uh, lightning hockey with a real person?" I was like, "All right, fucking tag him and then say it." Yep. And then he tagged him. And I was like, "Thank you for tagging him." No, I'm not gonna have you on my fucking podcast, loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, can we just talk about how the all right i just want to it's it's october 1st 2018 at 8 21 p.m and the line was just said seriously no i'm not gonna have you on my fucking podcast you loser <laughs> we've come a long way yeah. like if you told me we were gonna say that seriously when we started this three years ago i would have been like that's ridiculous we would never get to uh, that or point. or i said it in jest or yeah like, like it's just that was said unironically 
I'm not going to have you on my fucking podcast, you loser. <laughs> so, so right. yeah, before, before you and I uh, talk about my weekend yes. at City Field. Yeah, yeah. Just, just City Field. Herman, Herman and Fitz, stop clapping at each other without tagging each other. You want you want to you want bitch and moan about each other, tag each other. Yeah, you can tag, tag me on Twitter, Orion Mead. I will respond to anything you say to me. That's fine. Tag me Blue Shirt Break. I'm on it all day. I'll fucking I'll, – I'll go at it with you. Yeah, care. Greg will go back. I'll probably be nice. So <laughs> – <laughs> It, yeah, it's that's I'm an asshole. I know what I am. Yeah, we know what you are. Yeah, I know what I am. Yeah, I know. All right, let's go about David Wright. So you got to see the captain one last time. Uh, I didn't get to watch the game. I was in the middle of the woods camping with some dear friends, but uh, he did not record. How was the LSD, Ryan? Uh, well, it was good, especially the part where I was in the woods. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the uh, guys, I don't do drugs. Stop asking. I don't. I know you. It looks like I do drugs. I get it. I've got it my uh, whole the life. The funny thing is, it, he you don't. I don't. I literally don't. don't. I, I'm it's, not, it's a bit of a this, bummer that you. Don't, this is honestly. not. This is not a bit. Like I wish I was doing a bit right now. Like even when I was in high school, even like teachers would no. be like, "Yeah, Ryan, we know you smoke weed." I'm like, I don't. What? Yeah, you're, the, you're, what you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a square. It's a letdown. <sighs> well, not so much anymore, but I used to be really bad. Uh, but did David Wright record a hit? No, Peter O'Brien caught the pop out. Uh, so Wright appeared as a pinch hitter on Friday. 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 Uh, grounded out on the first pitch he saw. And then he got two at-bats on Saturday. The first at-bat, it was really set up to be this big special moment because uh, Jose Reyes hearkened back to three years ago and actually hit a double to lead off the top of the first. Jeff McNeil bunted him over to third. You can, you can tell that the only reason why McNeil bunted there is because the Mets were terrified that McNeil might actually drive in Reyes and they wanted Wright to have the opportunity. Yes, there's no other situation where Jeff McNeil, who's hitting 330, is going to be asked <laughs> to sacrifice bunt Jose Reyes over to third base with nobody out in the top, the bottom of the first inning. Yeah. But the fact that he did is it, it was great. And then um, Trevor Richards, the pitcher for the Marlins, I guess shit his pants because he walked right. So biggest fucking letdown that was. Um, but why? Okay, so you're on the Marlins, right? Yep. And maybe you don't like David Wright, and it is a rivalry. I get that. Why not just throw him a bean? Like, I, see, here's, here's, and I, my dad and I talked about this because my dad flew up for Florida from the game. Um, so we, we've he was talking about I, I forgot the exact pitcher he mentioned who um, threw a couple right down the middle for Mickey Mantle in his last game. But I vividly remember Barry Bonds sitting on homer number seven fifty five the Giants playing the Padres, and Jake Peavy said, I'm going to throw you three fastballs down the middle of the plate. If you hit one out, hit one out. But I'm throwing these down the pipe. Me against you, buddy. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And Bonds wasn't able to put one out, but Peavy, after the at-bat, you know, took his cap off, took his cap off, waved at Bonds, and said, that was it, man. I, I, I gave you what you wanted, and you weren't able to do it. So best of luck to you. That's fine. Um, I, I will be honest. I think it's a scenario where I just don't think Trevor Richards is good enough as a pitcher <laughs> to prove one without making it look like he's giving a aging veteran an 80 mile an hour fastball down the cock. Like you'll never like, convince me, dude, that Derek Jeter's last game, like he didn't, he threw it down the middle. Like he gave him that hit to win yeah, the game. I really, I, I just don't think Trevor, like I know that Trevor Richards shut the Mets out for like seven innings, but that's because the Mets blow. I don't think that has anything to do with Trevor Richards being an extremely talented starting pitcher. Um, the Peter O'Brien stuff is fucking hilarious because in right second at bat, 
Uh, he, he popped up the first. It wasn't a routine play, uh, but O'Brien made it. And, I mean, he could have not gone after the foul ball at all. Like, he could have just let it be foul, right? I'm not saying if Wright hit a pop up the first base that O'Brien should have let it drop and let David Wright reach. But I'm saying you don't have to make, like, a difficult play to retire the guy either. I, Ryan, I, 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 I said this on Twitter. I said this to you. I said this to our friends in our Facebook group. I have never heard a man booed as loudly as Peter O'Brien was booed the next time he came to the plate. I have heard the Met fans boo Chase Utley. I have heard Met fans boo and throw batteries at John Rocker. I have heard Met fans boo Roger Clemens. No man in the history of City Field has ever been booed as loudly as Peter O'Brien. Ever? And it was one of those, it was one of those moments where my dad and I, um, we weren't totally paying attention that Peter O'Brien was coming up. And the stadium just erupts in boos. My dad's like, what happened? What's going on? What are we booing at? What, what, what went wrong? And I was trying to look around and I was like, I literally don't know. And people in my, I, we were just in the one section that had, I guess, no fucking idea what was happening. So all of us are kind of just tripping with each other. Like, what the fuck is going on? What's going on? And then it dawns on me. I was like, Peter O'Brien, this asshole caught Wright's pop-up. And then like everyone in our section got it at the same time and started booing too. Um, yeah, he's going to be booed forever. Wherever Peter O'Brien goes, if the, he's playing the Mets, he's getting booed. And I hope he he's ready for it. Yeah, uh, well, Peter O'Brien, you know, outstanding guy. A lot of homers in the uh, in the minor league. Probably won't be in baseball next year. So there you go. Did he take his cap <laughs> um, off at least when he was getting booed? I would have. I would have. I was Peter no, O'Brien. No. Uh, I don't get the sense from Peter O'Brien that he's all that smart or realized why he was getting booed until after the game. Yeah, this is, um, a, this is a no one cares moment, what I'm about to do, but I dropped Gary Sanchez in my league when he was a minor leaguer to pick up Peter O'Brien. So there you go. That's my feelings on Peter O'Brien. Um, but yeah, and then in classic Mets fashion, they take David Wright out in the top of the fifth inning and then refuse to score a run until the bottom of the 13th. Uh, everybody in that ballpark by about the eighth inning had decided that we no longer give a shit who wins this game. Can someone just win it? We just want to hear David Wright talk one more time. Yep. Everyone, everyone was in agreement. Like, I don't think it was very nice that the Mets won the game. I really don't think anyone in that ballpark gave a flying fuck if the Mets actually won that game. Why did they take him out so early out of curiosity? Uh, I mean, the honest truth, he just, he can't play third base. Yeah. Like, I'm sure the Mets would have loved to get him four at-bats in his last game. But I, I, I don't think it's just that he's a liability for whoever the opposing pitcher is when he's out in the field. I, 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 it's heartbreaking, but I, I think you're risking David Wright's health a little bit by playing him in the field Jesus. every time you do. The last thing, the absolute last thing, if you're the New York Mets, that you want is Wright to attempt to make some kind of diving play to his right or left or charge a ball aggressively. And all of a sudden he comes up, he comes up lame and he has to walk off the field with assistance and not yeah, on his own. Like, he's already be- leaving the game, not on his own terms. The last thing you want to do is have him leave his final game injured. You don't want that to be the last memory David Wright gives you um, in a Mets uniform. Cause it's, it's already so much of the narrative that if something happened in the seventh inning, Wright goes to his left to make a play at third base. He can't make the play and then he can't stand up. That'd be tough. Uh, that, that would have, that, that'd be extremely difficult, not just for 
uh, the Mets, but it's it's hard enough for David Wright. I don't think they needed that as well. I agree with you. Uh, I want to just – any more, more words on David Wright? I know you can go another hour. Yeah, I, I could. I, I mean, it's it's hard, man. It it was a stadium full of men and women who were trying their damnedest not to cry the entire night, and uh, I would say 70% of the ballpark just wasn't successful. Um, I know every time – the when we first walked into the stadium – there were two moments where I was just like, oh, fuck. This is David Wright's last appearance as a New York Met. And it, it, it's different for David Wright than it was for Mike Piazza, right? Because Mike Piazza was... He had his career. It was he, over. Well, not, not just that, but um, David, Mike Piazza was the hero you idolized growing up as a kid. So this is a guy that, when I think back on what it was like to be 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, you, you, you talk glowingly about Mike Piazza because he, he was a god. He was more than man. The things he did on a baseball field, they didn't seem possible to you because you're so little. Uh, David Wright made his debut when I was 14. I, I remember a lot of things about being 14. I remember a lot of things about being 15. I remember a lot of – once you become a teenager, you, you, you stop, like, looking back on your child – like, when you're 14 – you begin talking about your childhood, like your childhood's done. You're, you're starting, you're not quite an adult, but you're becoming who you're going to be for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Obviously you're in the very beginning processes of it, but you're getting mature. So this, this David Wright's not a guy I grew up with. David Wright is a guy I experienced. And I think that's a very big difference. That's kind of like, we grew up with Brian Leach We've experienced Henrik Lundqvist. So when Lundqvist retires, or it's going to mean a lot more to us than when Messier or Leach or Richter retired, even though um, those guys were very important for our younger years. It's going to be different because you have you you create different memories and emotions with guys who are playing at their peak when you're be- starting to become a man, like. I remember what David Wright did the first day I <laughs> the first day I got a beer at Shea Stadium. I remember what David Wright did. The first day I hooked up with a girl I met at a Met game. I remember what David Wright did. Like there are memories I have with David Wright that are very different from my memories I had with Mike Piazza. So the fact that Wright was such a great player for the Mets was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. I still think there's an art, there's a case to be made for Wright to be a Hall of Famer, all things said and done. Um but it, it, it's just it's a different emotion for those kind of players because this isn't this isn't a guy I grew up with. This is a guy that matured with me. At the end of the day, David Wright is only six years older than I am. Yikes! That is not a significant gap. It is not. So it it it's it's a very different set of emotions when you're looking at a guy who was so great for what I would consider my formative years, the years that I can vividly remember being a Met fan. Like, yes, I remember parts of the 1999, the 2000 season. I remember games when I was four and five years old. But when David Wright came up in 2004, I had real opinions about the New York Mets that I could back up in an actual conversation. And David Wright and Jose Reyes were the two most important players for that time. Unlike Reyes, Wright never left. Wright was taking from us, and that is – just completely different. It makes it even sadder uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. it. it I, we talked about this with Rick, how someone at the age of 35 is considered ancient now, but he, 
there are plenty of players in baseball who can be maybe not their all-star form at 35 years old, but productive. And David Wright was just not allowed to be that because his body betrayed him. And it, it, it's hard to go through that with, again, someone who growing up with is not the term, but coming, I came of age with David Wright. There you go. And it's a bummer that, uh, it's a reminder that one, I'm fucking old now too. Like, well, I, don't think I, I will feel old when Mike Trout retires. That's the moment I will feel very old. I guess, yeah. I mean, I think he was born in 1989, so that's a little different too. Like, he's our fucking age. No, he's younger than he's us. Younger than us. Yes, he is. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. Yes, but he's too young. Like, it, it's also hard to realize that, and you realize this a little bit with Henrik Lundqvist too, but you just don't think about it now because he's going to play for another two, three years. Mm-hmm. The odds of there being another David Wright in my life, especially just how the the market is these days, One and how easy it is for a player to not just leave as a free agent, but how much sense it makes to trade players to get younger all over again and restart the cycle. Yeah. The odds of me seeing another David Wright in my lifetime are fucking tiny. Oh yeah. You minuscule. You probably, we won't see, you know, well, we've been very lucky. We'll see how Igor is when he comes over. We we won't see another Henrik Henrik Lundqvist. That won't happen. But, But like, you won't see a guy who is a mainstay for your franchise for 15 years, as great as Michael Conforto has been. David Wright came up to the majors and never went back down. No, that was it. And he was up and he was great. And he that's, was, he that's was all up that happened. and almost immediately great. And, you know, look at, look at who you would consider faces of the Mets franchise right now. Jacob DeGrom didn't make his major league debut until he was 26. Um, they, ran the, uh, they ran a ridiculous stat on, uh, you look at Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo, mm-hmm. and I think they're both like 24, 25 right now. By the time David Wright was 24, 25, he already had three all-star games under his belt. He had a 30-30 season. Like he had all these accomplishments already. And it was it's just insane that you look at Conforto and you're like, Jesus Christ, this is a cornerstone bat that the Mets need to build on for the next eight, nine years. And you realize David Wright was always the, already the franchise at Michael Conforto's age. By time. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at right now a New York landscape, right? Of of players that there's probably only two players that could be the face of their franchise in the next five years that are that are also very young, and that's Glaber Torres and Shaquan Barkley, right? Those are the two guys that really. Oh, you think Judge? Over, you you, you want to say Judge over Torres? Yeah, I I don't know if Judge is a Yankee forever. I think I think we have to include Sam Darnold in this conversation just because you got to give the quarterbacks a chance. I'm not sure Judge um, will stay for. I mean, he is like the Yankees built him in a lab. And he is like you know Yankee homegrown, so that's probably. I, I guess you all, you also worry about that body. I mean, it's not going to get any smaller over time. No, I worry about it a little bit. Obviously, he's a tremendous player, all around great guy, and you couldn't ask for anything more than him. But Glaber Torres seems like he could be that Francisco Lindor type that just sits around and is at shortstop for the next ten to twelve years easily. If if I had if I had to guess, I would say uh, Torres and Judge have all the possibilities to be that guy. Um, I, I think Darnold has the possibility to be that guy. Chris Stapps. Yeah. yeah. That's the crazy thing about Chris Stapps. Even he's already behind the ball. Like he's been hurt a yeah, lot. He's been, the, he's been behind the ball and like, he's gone through a lot of shit with the Knicks. Like why wouldn't he maybe leave? He might, he probably, he if might. he does, if he doesn't leave, I think it, it I, I think Durant's on the team. Regardless, New, New York is, I think first and foremost, a baseball town. But New York reveres its basketball stars 
a level higher than they do even their baseball stars. Absolutely. It's just not a question. We never had one outside of two years of mellow. Yeah. Like, and mellow is mellow is hard to root for hard. I really, I mean, yeah, it, it, I, I think Porzingis, yeah, we have to include him in the conversation. It's just funny because the nets, like they play in Brooklyn, but they're not really playing in New York. And then, Um, yeah. And then you go through hockey. It's just pretty much what is it? Heedle. And even, even, even then, like as I'm not counting, it's, it's I mean, because we're still playing in the Hank era. Mm-hmm. So I don't think all of these guys are going to be under that Hank shadow. I don't think we can have a conversation about, is this guy going to be a face six, seven, eight years down the road? Because we're just blocked by Hank. Like it, we can't have the conversation yet because Hank's here. Um, yeah. We're obviously still anyone two, under the age of 22. Is very possible, but uh, and then for the Islanders, it's Barzal, and that's really it. Yeah, and for the for the Mets, it's who is it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for the Mets. Who is it? <laughs> um, I mean, Syndergaard is still so fucking. Young. I was about to say Syndergaard is my Syndergaard is my is my take for the Mets. But yeah, well, we'll see look, about that. We'll we'll have to have a long conversation about the things the Mets need to do this offseason. This it is this five minutes went a lot longer, and you were correct. I, uh, what you, yeah, you're gonna ask me to bring up David Ryan and be like, yeah, summarize. Well, it in five that, that was long. a good conversation we ended up having. I'm glad we had it. I, I would like to there keep it go. going, but we got to. Good minutes. news is we have nothing to talk about for our 10 minute extra. I know, Jesus Christ, that happens to us all the time. All right, all the time. Uh, we'll talk football. It'll be fine. We'll do that. All right, guys. Uh, next week is going to be a little different of an episode. I will be traveling to Switzerland on Friday night. I won't be back till the following Sunday, so I will be recording via phone, and you will hear a message at the start of the next podcast. It'll say. He's now recording or something like that. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Greg doesn't have software on his computer. To yeah, edit usually it, so. I'll be editing and I'll, I do all that stuff. I won't be doing that next episode. So nope. we, we tried to give you a jam-packed reaction uh, this particular episode. I think we did. Then uh, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll go over the obviously opening night next and our, our initial reactions. We'll talk yeah, about Ryan, talk the about next games. time we talk, there have been regular season hockey games. I'm going to the game on Thursday. And if you want to say hello to me, hit me up on Twitter, slide in the DMs at Orion Mead. Always open for business, and I can always say hello. I already talked to some people that I'm going to say hello to, uh, and pretty excited about that. So hit us up on Twitter, uh, Bullshit Break, if you want to argue, if you want to add us and yell at us, Orion Mead. And anything else, Greg? Nope. Love you guys. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.